Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to pick the best movie for any given year. This season, we are doing 2019. We didn't know it, but it was fucking paradise. Probably the best year that's ever taken place. Definitely a sight better than 2020. From deep within quarantine, I am your host, Greg. Joining me, as always, are my two best friends, fighting it out to be number one best friend, Ryan. I, uh, I'm i always wondering, like, uh, what year is going to be better than the one before it, yep. which has not been the case for as far as I can remember. And then I thought, oh, that'll never happen again. Every yeah. year from here on out will be worse than the year before it. Yeah, it's real office space time. <laughs> also <laughs> joining me, my second best friend, hoping to be first best friend, Mike. So, I mean, so many companies uh, are saying you don't have to pay us. And the government's like, there's no interest rate. So I really thought, like, sure, let's keep doing the podcast. It'll keep us sane. It'll keep mm-hmm. our significant other sane. Most of all, it'll keep our listeners sane. But I really thought the competition part of it that made it stressful would go away. But no, let's, no. let's keep that going. And what, we've, what we're going to do for a little bit, in light of the fact that we are all under quarantine, is we're going to a silent scoring system, you guys. Uh, I will now quietly to myself keep the score and let you know later. Ryan, and does just- that make it worse or better for you? Uh, do you, like do you for get my- pumped up when you hear your name so that that drives you on to make better points? Or do you get, like me, do you get crushed when you hear the other person's name? No, I think that, like, I definitely get crushed, but we've talked about this before. Uh, I don't hear my name being said when it's said. Mm-hmm. It's just uh-huh. every single show I think that I lose 100 to 0, me with the 0, because <laughs> that that goes in one ear and out the other. Whereas every time they uh, uh, drop pad says your name, Mike, uh, yeah, I just want to punch something to death. My favorite time of any show is after someone makes a point and like you know it's just they say something that they just they thought of while they were watching the movie and they put it together and they structure it into an, an interesting little tidbit and then uh after they get done saying it they kind of like their head cocks to the side yeah. a little bit <laughs> like am i gonna am i gonna get that sweet point for this or or what it's exactly like uh, all like the people who bring up your bags at a hotel how they have to stand there for the three oh seconds and just with their hand out <laughs> And I, well, I would say, Greg, if you just handed me 20 bucks instead of a point, I will take that. Yeah. I'll take a stick of gum. Okay, wait. Uh, let's, let's, what's the least you'll do to give up a point? We've got $20, will, then stick of gum. I would eat a Klondike bar. That's <laughs> Come the on. least you'll do. Don't you nobody, love those? Nobody no. would Have do you guys that. fucked with the, there's like cookie dough, there's Oreo, like mint. classic there's is mint. fine. Are you, your tone says you hate mint, one of the best no. ice cream flavors there is. It, no, you're obviously right. I don't like mint. I don't like white mint. You know, anything that's white, that's like for a freshening breath. But if it's green mint, that's mm, delicious and gets like you a, fat. A spearmint? Yeah. My favorite is the is the mincemeat Klondike. Um, it's vanilla ice cream and then a chopped up and spiced meats from you the organs really of animals. You can only find that in Britain. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really big over there. It's like the number one thing for them. It's like Harry Potter and then those mincemeat Eskimo pies. Mince meat is like the meat you find on the ground in the forest that doesn't have a head, so you don't know what it is, right? Mm, and then, yeah, so you cut it up real small and season it, and just throw it all throw it on in the pot. Well, and, guys, and then into a Klondike bar <laughs> to take our mind off of just all of this, all of this stuff. Uh, we thought we would watch a little bit of escapist, a little bit of a fun movie, and we picked Midsummer. Midsummer, guys. 
I, do you have any experience with this movie before you have seen it? Like before you saw it for the show tonight? I actually, because I'm an idiot, I watched it a couple of weeks before we recorded. Uh-huh. Um, and then had to make that decision of, did I watch it so hard that I could come in here and beat Mike with all of my you know points and shit? Or uh-huh. do I have to watch it again? And I motherfucking watched all two and a half hours of it again. Dang. This was Mike? my first viewing. <laughs> uh, it came out when I was out of pocket and could not see movies. But uh, I feel like I have to come clean because like, I love horror. I think the listeners know I'm the horror guy. But I've been uh-huh. really – this is my first Ari Aster movie. I didn't see his last one. I, I, I've really failed, and I try. will try to do better. I think there's <laughs> few directors uh, working today where – that matters so much, you know? Like, I think this being your first and this being your second of the two mm. are two completely different watching experiences. You yeah. Know? Is this your second tour of duty or your first? Uh, I did see Hereditary, and it, like, it, it just, it made me more on edge this entire time, you know? Uh-huh. Like, knowing that this person has fucked with me before and yet i'm going back i'm re-continuing the relationship uh you're you're just pissing yourself the entire time it's like when you date somebody a second time and you're like sure i remember the good but i also remember the horrible crippling emotional abuse you're always like this dinner's fun but what if when it gets not fun again the other thing too about having seen both and i'm just going to try and keep it to midsommar on this episode is that i think he is he's got an, an insane amount of talent but there are he has issues in both of these movies. Like mm-hmm. there was so much stuff from Hereditary that was not fixed, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I'm just gonna shit on Midsummer about that today. But overall, I think that it is a almost must see, brilliant in more than one uh, meaning of the word movie. That mm-hmm. just it, it does have its definite flaws. It's interesting because it is the it, it is it's a it's like a it's one of a set of 2019 follow up horror movies right um jordan like little Peele's, women like little women uh jordan peele's us came out mm-hmm. and it it had like big shoes to fill and midsummer came out and it had huge shoes to fill um did it did it do that ryan you're the only one who's seen hereditary but do you think it like it this is a better movie than hereditary i think that it is it shows a more confident filmmaker mm-hmm. um one that relies less on like sort of 80s shock horror and Hereditary was great at that, but still needed a lot of it, you know, to get by. Yeah. Um, but but then the other part of the follow-up, the shoes to fill, is that it the conversation paled in comparison to Hereditary and to Us and Get Out. You uh-huh. know, uh, it just did not resonate the way that it did. I don't know if it was because it was summer, or I think that it's just Midsummer. It, it came out in Midsummer, uh, but I think that there's people were more confused by this movie and I- therefore less likely to talk about it. Yeah, I, sure. I think Get Out, Us, and Hereditary are all pretty classic or playing with classic horror movie stuffs, and this one fucks with it a lot harder. But most people, when they think of, like, I'm going to fuck with horror, they think of, like, Cabin in the Woods. Right. Mm-hmm. This, he's fucking with it uh, slyly, and so people are like, I don't even want to talk about it. There's so- <laughs> but, yeah, that's true because uh, people are nervous about sounding dumb. We're yeah. not. We're going to sound dumb for the next oh. hour and a half, but Dude, a lot of people are nervous about it. We're just going to uh, put our shoulder down and just all sound dumb as hell. With us, there was so much to talk about, but the movie pointed at the things that you're supposed to talk about. Mm. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. Aren't those weird? Discuss, please. You know? There was, a, there was like, help with that. With Midsommar, there's some obvious stuff that we, we have to address today, but a lot of it is, like, where do we even begin with it? Yeah. Well, that's a funny question, Ryan. And is it with Breastmore? 
when we come back, we will actually get a chance to address that question. Midsummer is the second film by Ari Aster, who disturbed the world with his first movie, 2018's Hereditary. Midsummer follows four American grad students as they learn about new cultures, themselves, and ultimately, each other. It is a beautifully shot, majestically scored pay-in to pagans, and a devastating repudiation of our cold, indifferent American culture. Without a family or any true connection, Danny, the movie's protagonist, learns to let go of her toxic, fake relationships and embrace a community that values shared emotional experience and celebrates all parts of life. So gentlemen, I ask you this. When it was first released, the reception of this movie focused on what an awful guy Christian is. Now that the dust has settled and men have been fully redeemed, JK, LOL, but seriously, is it reductive to see this movie first and foremost as a commentary on a bad man? I think there's a lot of bad men in this movie, uh-huh. but I think it's also... And in hard. the world. And in the world, and in the especially. World. There's more in the world than in this movie, for sure. <laughs> uh, what I, I think, one, there's only one fully fleshed out character in this movie, which is Pew Pew Pew, and the rest are all different versions of a bad dude. Uh-huh. Uh, Christian is a piece of shit, and part of... Maybe people have talked about this, and I have not heard it. Uh, it's he has... He is gutless until it's the worst time to have any sort of guts uh-huh. because he doesn't want to talk to her about this trip. She finds out like a week before he doesn't want to tell his friends that he told her she could come. Like he runs away from every confrontation. Uh-huh. And in the middle of the thing, when he decides to rip off Chidi's thesis, that's when he's like, no, I should have confidence. And then he's just a dumb asshole. He, he's a completely different kind of bad guy. Let me cheat Chidi. Let me backtrack here one second, because I, I think there, my question is premised on something. And I want to see if you guys agree with it. Do you agree that the reception of this movie focused mostly on its connections to like a, a sort of me too or, or terrible man mythos. Well, I, I think that in the era that we're living in, that it's hard not to take that first look at it, you know, but like, like when you went on to AV club, when you went on to the ringer, when you went on to wherever you go to like get your zeitgeisty reporting on, on culture, do you feel like that was the message that people. Honestly, the thing that I saw the most was that this was a three hour breakup movie. Uh huh. And, that was to me. That was always used as a pejorative. I totally agree with it, and that's a big reason of why I loved it. Is that they were able to show in a movie that was supposed to be focusing on the horror of uh, the horror of a lot of things. A, <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's about the horror of a lot of things. <laughs> an actual like realistic breakup or mm-hmm. should be breakup instead of like uh, she cheats or he punches or the stuff that we usually get. Uh-huh. It's that we have these two weak-willed people in different ways yes and then the problem is tragedy strikes yeah and that sort of locks you into a relationship in a really awkward but common way i think you could yeah you could see in his face in the first scene he's ready to break up with her and the well will shameless is like yeah it's done he's like yeah okay uh and then the minute her whole family dies you can see the math in his head he's like how long yeah for sure can i stay in and and i it feels shitty at first but if he just broke up with her right then it probably would be best for both well of them. it certainly would have yeah i think in the end it would have been better for both of them in this one particular case but in real life <laughs> it even if this didn't end with like murder death cult wouldn't it be better if he's like totally over her and doesn't want to be around her and can't even look at her? Wouldn't it be better, even though she just suffered all this loss, to be like, yeah, dude, I don't know. I got to go. I'm sorry. Like, right? Because he, he is, instead, he stays and is like kind of like one-tenth in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, he, 
what he's saying is that I'm going to stay in, and what I think that's the right thing to do. It's never what anybody wants to do. It's what what will other people say about this other thing if I do it? Oh, I can't do that, so I'm going to stay in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you on the surface what you need, yeah. but literally nothing of what you need, which definitely comes into play right. later in the movie. Okay, yeah, because that, that does tie into the rest of the movie, right? What happens on the surface versus what really happens in the depth of the soul or in a community. And it would have been so much better, uh, not in the moment, but for the grand scheme of things, if he had said, shit, that sucks, bro. I'm sorry. I still care about you a lot. What I'm going to do is we're going to end our monogamous relationship. Uh, I'm going to go hook up with other girls but now i'm going to be here for you as a friend get what Mm -hmm. i need from them from other places and then also man i'm so sorry this happened please let me be with you but he can't he can't uh take like his selfish feelings and put them put her first and that's the only thing she needs and it it makes it worse because there's a point when he would rather like leave a room than have a discussion with her in the beginning of the movie when he like, cause it is a week before a two month trip. She didn't know it was happening. Yeah. He's like, I told you it was happening. She said, you said, wouldn't it be fun if I did this? Uh, and then, so he walks and then she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So not only is he not supporting her now, she has a different emotional strain. Cause she has to take care of this fucking baby man while she's dealing with her whole family just died. But, th- but then on the flip side, like she's not perfect. She is also, like not self-reliant enough i'm not saying that she ruined the relationship but it i do think in this movie on second viewing which i can say and you guys cannot so you're welcome i'll for that. say it I'll you know say what? It all night i know we're doing a silent scoring system but i gotta give you a point for that one mike uh thank you that um that this is there's a lot of bad in this relationship i know this is not pop filters hit show the ocd and i know we don't typically do things like this but did christian or their relationship remind you guys of maybe your past in certain ways, how you have not in our current perfect relationship, uh-huh. but how we have just been shitty, shitty. We think that neutral is good. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. watching this, I realized how, uh, oh, I understand how all the problems with people had with my neutral being very, very bad. Yeah, I think I would hate Christian anyway, but the the amount of hatred is definitely a healthy dose of self-loathing. Absolutely. Of early 20s in a relationship. Uh, especially the, the the cowardice of I will kind of lie to everybody and be like what to everybody <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to let my girlfriend down or my friends down so in fact I let them all down harder. Part of the re- and, I mean, go Ryan. The the other problem too is that the person who is has the most spine about the relationship ending is Will Poulter mm-hmm. and you don't want to be Will Poulter. You don't like of all your friends that's the one where you're like well if I take his advice I'm him I guess that's awful. Which one's Will Poulter? He's eyebrows who gets all like the funny lines in the movie, even though he's a piece of shit. The person. jester, the jester he, guy. He's on the the dead tree. The guy who gets skinned. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The fool. The coxcomb. <laughs> uh, the reason I asked the question, I think, is because I definitely got the sense that it was about a breakup, like you guys said, and it it clearly is. But I felt like there was that the breakup is a symptom of what this movie is criticizing as a part of Western culture which is a complete isolation, a complete, um, like, the, like the very dark remnants of humanism, where it's like we are all individuals, and so we're all so totally isolated. This was before isolating was something that we did to protect each other, but that we're also insular. Uh, we don't really look at each other. We don't really see each other. We don't really defend each other. And that it was a, their breakup was part of that, but also the family breakup, the family dynamic. I mean, the the sister mm-hmm. killing the parents, the um, like loneliness of um, 
Danny's character, the fact that the friends are like really not they're not that's not like a friend group. They don't really like each other. <laughs> they're just kind of around one yeah. another. It's a it, lot closer to a friend group you would see on TV, like at an like that works all at the same place uh-huh. that are sort of just like um I don't know, location friends as opposed to like uh, we tell each other everything and we're connected in these very strange ways that other people aren't connected with us. Uh-huh. Cause yeah, they are, it is just like, here's four examples of why dudes are awful. And that's, I'm not knocking the movie. I think that that was all purposeful and insightful. Right. I, I think it, they are location friends. They're all in this like PhD program or whatever. So you do end up becoming quote unquote close because like your normie friends can't understand the weird stress of going through that thing. But also you would never actually hang out at a Denny's with any of these people. Uh Like, and you fake it for a few years. You're like, sure. I mean, we have this in common. And then eventually you're like, once you're out of that situation, you're like, we had so little in common. But isn't that similar then to Christian and Danny, you know, who like Mm -hmm. at this point are just location relationships, even if it's just because they've been going out for so long. And, not willing to say to each other it's just me and you let's let's do like let's get married let's run the distance and also not willing to say like well why don't we call it you know they're in that middle ground (laughs) this limbo that's uh relationship hell yeah it what i noticed the the filmmaker did what ari aster did was there's so many shots where things start getting really weird at hargis varga or whatever it's called and there's so many times where one of our main characters is looking at the others and like making eye contact, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they just don't look at one another. Mm-hmm. And when you compare that with the the cults, the way they interact with each other is they don't hand something to somebody without making deep, meaningful eye contact. Right. You know, so it's like. Mm-hmm. They're enjoying the silence with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying. But it, it's, it is interesting because cause you said this is one of the big things that's going on as a critique of Western civilization. But it does feel like he's like. But also don't go too far the other way because I don't think the movie comes away with like, but isn't togetherness great? Like there is two together. That definitely, I think it seems to be the point, except I think because it's a horror movie. And by the way, just I want so that you guys don't have to say it. I just want to point out how brave I was to watch this movie. So Um, I was very brave. I found it deeply upsetting uh, and it really fucked with me, but I also liked it quite a bit. Um, But I do feel like there is that like, yeah, you can go too far. Except because it's a horror movie, probably, I really did feel like at the end of it, it's like, well, they all have each other and they're like teaching the next generation how to be and they're all connected and they're not afraid of grief. They don't like run away from people feeling grief. I came away from this being like, you know what? Maybe I feel like Danny feels. As as somebody who's pretty pro-grief and I think <laughs> I do have an issue with how Wait, we... Even when we're not in the middle of a grief-stricken situation... Just feel some grief anyway. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, remember your grandma died when you were dead. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pro-grief and pro-connection. It, it doesn't they, – they also force it, and I think that is wrong. It's like, okay, we're killing these people at 72. Two young guys have to die because we need the number six for some reason because that's the sacrifice number. Uh, so it's like, I'm connected, but I might be died and isolated completely. The guys who go in the sacrificial uh, yellow tomb thing at the end who are part of the society who – chose to be there right as the flames start licking they're like wait this is awful and start screaming and realize what a bad mistake it was well i mean they scream from the pain but i don't know if they scream from regret oh no one guy is just pain and kind of smiling one guy you can see the sheer regret on his face one guy when they make eye contact see this this is this is one of the things i think is like super brilliant about this movie a lot of times when you show a cult in a movie you show them as all true believers all equally fired up they all are just manic and crazy all the time 
in this movie, when they show the people in the cult, you see them hesitant. You see them afraid. Mm-hmm. The old people, they're making like a noble sacrifice. They both are obviously afraid, freaked out. Those two guys getting burned up, that's how that's how they feel. One of the, there's a, like a lot of times you can see the cult just hanging out in the background of shots. When they're getting ready to sew Christian up into the bear suit, there's like a young girl who's being consoled because she's freaked out that one of the two people from the village who are part of the sacrifice, she's going to miss that guy. And so she feels really bad. And she's like being consoled. That's not the girl who fucked Christian? No, yeah, that's Christian's uh, girl who's like, she's like being consoled because he's going to die. She seems like understanding this is the way shit works. Yeah. But it's still a bummer. And also, guys... uh, Sex doesn't always take on the first time as far as pregnancy goes. Like, uh-huh. she's really hoping that jizz would. But they're, I think the they're reason, so connected. She knows. To me, I think uh, that the movie's point is that you can connect in a right way. You can te- connect too much, but you must connect. And that's why I think Christian stands out from all of his friends and from all of the cult members is that this guy just refuses to, not in relationships, even with with his thesis, he's wishy washy. He doesn't know what he wants to do. He just he just is jealous of other people knowing what they want to do. I uh, I think that the point, even more than don't be in the cult, is don't be Christian. Right, in all connotations the, of that the, sentence. Yeah, the person, <laughs> right, yeah, because yeah, Cheedy has the thesis, and he's super passionate about that. There's definitely shitty things. I think the only shitty thing I could really think of, uh, other than they're all pretty cult to Danny, is. Uh, he definitely knows what's coming because he talks to the Swede guy and he's like, oh, Ascherblugen? And he means the two old people are going to jump off the cliff. We're going to watch a real one. The guy's like, yeah. And they're like, what is it? He's like, I can't explain. Motherfucker, you could have been like, these two people are going to jump off a cliff. Because, but see, he didn't. We're going to talk about this a little later. Or no, we can talk about it right now. Like This this is like a weird cultural thing that's going on in this too because he knows that what that term means is ritual suicide. What he also mm-hmm. probably knows is that people aren't sure it was ever really done. Most of the things that are right. done in this in this movie, like they are they harken back to folklore tradition and no one is sure that anyone actually ever did them. And so he's probably mm-hmm. in part of that being like, Well, I don't want to judge this culture by assuming that they're gonna do this terrible thing. Yes. I and I, I think, think that, that's such a huge through line of this is how polite will you be? How culturally sensitive will you and be? And then at the There's same a, time, they're like they're also reductive of this culture because they don't think mm-hmm. it can endanger them. They don't want to like be rude to it, but they can't they don't think they can be hurt by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean I think that's a lot. And there's a lot of things that of how this movie, especially if like you're not a fan of how things are right now, you can view it with this lens of commenting on today's society. But I think the biggest one is when Christian says, look, man, you know, it's their culture. They do what they want. And we put old people in homes. So, <laughs> you know, like, is it that bad? And it's just that, like, this baby stepping of just letting off more and more awful things happen until everything is awful. There's a point where you have to say, uh, that's not my culture. And it is also <laughs> at the same time fucking wrong. Yeah, so it, like, like if Christian stands uh, for neutrality, everything was like never be like you don't have to be neutral. You can take stands. You can respectfully say, "Please don't kill my friends." Uh, and there, there's in the girl with the dragon tattoo, Stellan Skarsgård, who's the bad guy, has a really good monologue about how people will go out of their way. They, most people want to be polite so much they will put themselves in danger. Right. And I thought of that this whole movie. They're like, I just don't want to step on anybody's toes, so they just die. Or I mean, like, uh, what's the name of the author of Night? Uh, Ely Weasel or yeah, Weisel? Ely Weitzel. Weitzel, thank you for <laughs> not saying it as American as you could. Um, you know his quote about how like uh, neutrality led to all of that in the forties mm-hmm. and thirties, and then uh, all of this today. You know, like it, the cult is responsible, 
but also in a lot of ways Christian is as well. How, how you know the cult is bad, even though like Danny ends up with them, is that uh, the two Brits who show up with our Swede's brother uh-huh. uh, do see that bad things are happening, and they get got too. They they just try to leave, but they're not allowed to leave. The minute it's not just people who are fucking up, Polton pissing on the tree, Christian being generally Christian about it, Cheedy trying to steal the the tome. Uh, you're like, oh no, these are bad people because they also killed two people who haven't done anything bad and just like, I want out, thank you very much. Yeah, there's, it's a two-step uh, process. It's please understand our culture and then two, if you don't, you're dead. Right. Also, you will die. All right, when we come back, we're going to check in with my very good friend, Descripto the Magnificent. Descripto the Magnificent. And we are back. All right, we know a dude, a guy, an hombre who likes to review movies, he's Descripto, and he is simply magnificent. He writes in a lot of different voices. He has a lot of different um, interests. He's a varied person. Uh, Guys, I'm going to read one of his reviews about a movie from 2019, and I'm not going to tell you what the movie is. You're going to tell me, and if you get it right, you're going to get some of these sweet points. Let me get all the way through the end. You'll know when I am done reading because I will tell you how many stars Descripto has given the movie. And a lot of times, that's part of the fun. (laughs) Over-the-top acts of violence that seem to come out of nowhere. For a movie that couldn't spend a few extra minutes giving its audience some background context or characters to care about, it sure didn't mind lingering on useless and disturbing gore. Two stars. Mike. Mike. Midsommar. It was not Midsommar. I see why you would think that. But it was not Midsommar. Ryan, do you have a Ryan. guess? Ryan. Uh, is it Hobbs and Shaw? It is not Hobbs and Shaw. That <laughs> was, of course. That was, of course, the 2019 Brightburn. Oh, uh, Brightburn. Which asks, probably what an if accurate review by Descripto. Superman were a maniac killer. Actors gave a lifetime performance. For that, I want to give them five stars, but as far as the movie goes, whoever wrote this movie must have a sickening, sickening, sickening mind. As this movie, it is just the most depressing, disgusting, and again, sickening (laughs) movies that I have ever seen in my life. So much so that I wish I never have seen that, and I really would like my money back, please. One star. Ryan. Ryan. I feel like this is somebody who, uh, the type of person who writes a lot of Amazon reviews and just recently saw Parasite. Uh, this is actually Descripto the Magnificent. Uh, I'm sorry. Right. I meant to say Descripto. <laughs> All right. D to the M. Descripto the Magnificent. <laughs> All right. Uh, I apologize. And the movie was not Parasite. Mike. Mike. Marriage Story. Not Marriage Story. It was Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree, but I, I, I can see where Descriptos coming from. Do you disagree because there were not enough sickenings in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Nine every time Ryan's like, so sickening, and it's a positive. So many narrow-minded, miserable people in our society today. Look, a movie is but a story, and each story has something to offer. Each one is rated, not always properly, but is. Hollywood doesn't have a psychological thriller category, so they lump it under horror. Unfortunately, most idiots expect horror to be something filled with CGI, blood, and gore, and when they don't get that, they slam the movie. Four stars. Ryan. Ryan. This has to be Parasite. It is not Parasite, no. Motherfucker! Mike. Mike. It is not us, it's Ma. You guys remember the movie Ma? With 
Octavia Spencer? That's the one. About a totally normal adult who just wants to drink in a basement with the kids. I don't yes. see the problem with it. Is it so would... weird? You just want to hang out with younger people. <laughs> they keep us young. Stamps its own mark in horror history. You'll know why after you see it. And I can see why it's being categorized in the same section of movies as The Shining. I would definitely suggest watch the film more than once, only because there is so much missed the first viewing. And it may lead you to feeling confused like some audience who are hating on it. After my second viewing, I had a way more understanding and appreciation for the film. Five stars. Ryan. Ryan. This is us for sure. That's not us, man. I don't know what to tell you. Mike. No, this is us, the TV show. Oh, yeah, it's, this is how okay, <laughs> yeah. you got it. Mike? Mike, uh, Dr. Sleep. It was not Dr. Sleep. Oh, because of the Shining thing. Very yeah. good. It was uh, that movie Suspiria. Right. That was this fuck. fuck. That was, that was the, dude, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm not sure what direction, if any, this movie was meant to take. It's almost as if they threw all their ideas, no matter how drunk or otherwise the writer was, on the floor and sent a lobotomized rat into the room to run around and decide the order of events. Yet through all the gonzo goings on in this film, the twist ending still manages to wrap up things in a very predictable horror cliche. One star. One Mike. star. Mike? Us. That was us. Oh my God. God. Damn it. For the first time in the history of Descriptos, somebody <laughs> has gotten one right. All right. That was us. Very good. It runs an hour. Uh, do I still get a wrong guess or no? Uh, yeah, go for it. Give us a guess, Ryan. What did you think it was? I was going to say us. Oh, okay, yeah. That's a point for yeah, Ryan. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, you said it after I said it. Back, uh, is Ryan, is that true? Did you? I don't think so. It yeah. was same timesy. His answer, Mike, his answer was us, which was the right answer. All right, moving on. It runs an hour too long and hits you with totally unnecessary homosexual. <laughs> Homosexual themes and multiple F-bombs. You guys, homosexual themes and multiple F-bombs. You know, Descripto, we don't, I think this is now a good time to say this, we don't condone Descripto. He's not part of the podcast. Retweets are not, what's the word? Yeah, they're not. This is not a retweet. This is not. (laughs) (laughs) That's the word. Retweets are not retweets. Retweets are not (laughs) retweets. retweets. We don't consent to any of this. Uh, totally unnecessary homosexual themes and multiple F-bombs, capital F-bombs. It's typical modern-day Hollywood leftist dogma using the medium of cinema to push the leftist-slash-liberal agenda while you pay for it. All we want to see is a good horror movie. That's it. That's it. We do not care to see any social commentary here. We <laughs> want to understand what is going on. The the last line of this review <laughs> is we want to understand <laughs> what is going on. I don't know if that flows from the rest of this, but I I feel it. I, I that's, super uh, feel that. That subtext is text right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what th- those people are always saying, but they don't come right out and say it. We want to understand <laughs> what is going on. One star. Mike. Mike. I don't know if we do repeat the lighthouse. Not the lighthouse, Ryan. Okay, so there's a couple I'm thinking of. An hour too long. That is so much too long. Like <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of too most, long. Most people say like a scene or 15 minutes. Um, so I've narrowed it down to two. Um, I'm gonna say this has burned us in the past. Uh, I'm gonna say Midsommar 
but I want to I want it to be the Irishman and just have this guy's take on the gay horror movie <laughs> The Irishman. <laughs> Final answer, Ryan. I must press Midsommar. you. Midsommar. It is not Midsommar. It is It Chapter 2. Oh, there was a guy who sort of barely realized that he was kind of gay at the and end. And that was too much for this description. We want to understand what is going oh. on. I've seen never the first seen one. a fear. That's what's going on. <laughs> I've never seen a less confusing movie than It Chapter 2. <laughs> I was. <laughs> It's the second child. It's the monster from the first one, and now they're adults and they're fighting it. And there's fear. There oh. seems like uh, Cloud is scary. Should we do something about it? Yes, we should. Yes, yeah. I would say that that's one of the more confusing scenes in the movie. All right, because clowns aren't scary. Even the landscape was wrong, and the wildflowers. Years ago, I watched a film, The Bear, or Bear, supposedly set. In British Columbia, a place I had lived in. <laughs> I said to my husband, those are not BC flowers. We stayed for the credits. It was filmed in Sweden. <laughs> we stayed for the credits. It was filmed in Switzerland. We were warned about the gore, but not the nudity. It did not bother me, but might upset some Americans, one star. Ryan. 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 This has to be Midsommar. <laughs> it's Midsommar. Congratulations. Right. That's Ryan. also my answer. Oh, you also no, guessed. Too late. You also guessed. Like, Mid- I already said. I already said Midsommar. Midsommar. Obviously. Okay. Well, so you're 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 repeating what Ryan said. No, it was my okay. separate thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll well, give you a point for that. I love how they brought in that late '80s kids movie, The Bear. That Just made my like, sister cry so much. We, s- if I could, if I could think of one movie that Midsommar reminds me of, it's The Bear because both movies have a bear. I love what that he think this was Canadian. I love that he said in this. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not no. Based on never, nothing, they're like must be Canadian. That's they not never Canada. <laughs> what do they think Canadians are like? Uh, <laughs> my favorite part is when he says, "We stayed for the end credits." Like, because if you just said to me it was filmed in Switzerland, I would be like, I'm lost. How did you, how do you even know that? How did you come to that information? Greg, the way that you read that was like one of those easy listening hosts. Uh-huh. Where they like take, uh, you know, requests, but also they read something to the other person's lover. Yes. Like, just so you know, Juan, Stephanie's hanging out waiting for you tonight. And here's a little song called If You Like Pina Colada. <laughs> And I don't like how that host is hitting on the other significant other. I w- That's all she does, yeah. I was trying to do my poetry reading voice. <laughs> They're close. All right. When we come back, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna kick out all the normies, all the norm core, and we're gonna sit down with just our very best friends, and in many cases lovers, and have a little Patreon only section. How can you get in on the the magic of the Patreon? Frankly, I don't know, and they won't tell me, and so I can't plug it because I have no idea how any of that works. Can I jump in here, Greg? Can I have? Will be. Oh, I, I was. I was just gonna. I was just going to, that was, okay, Mike, well, how do you do that? I would, I would say the easiest way is going to patreon.com slash your pop filter and picking a tier to hear all of this show. $5 a month. That's a coffee. You're that's probably one, not drinking that coffee this month anyway. You can't even get, get more it. tent. <laughs> you can't even get it, but you know what you can get? More tent. Well, I still don't know how you do our Patreon, but I do know that when we come back, we're only talking to those people. And we're back with all our beautiful fans and it's time to do 
another one of our questions. Florence Pugh is a new kind of final girl who is a much more fleshed out character than we're used to. Even more fleshed out than how Simon ends up. How does Florence, the official actress of the podcast, handle the role? And how does Aster change what it means to be a final girl? Now, real quick, guys, let's pretend everybody is as much of a horror dum-dum as I am. What is a final girl or the final girl? So a final girl like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween, Sydney Prescott. I'm going to jump from actress names to character names in Scream. Uh, Nev Campbell in Scream. So it's the, Jamie uh, Lee Curtis every- is like the most iconic one, right? Yeah. And because Halloween's like one of the earliest slasher films, but it's everybody is dying or 90% of the characters are dying. But the final girl is the one who ultimately defeats and kills or you think kills the bad guy and, and goes through some sort of cathartic experience and learns something about herself as she kills the villains. Uh, so Sydney, it, Nev Campbell in Scream is kind of uh, weak and, and mousy. And then she kills her boyfriend and his best friend at the end because she's like, no way, he's not in control of our relationship, even if it's that I should die. Uh, <laughs> and she becomes a different person in the rest of the franchise after that because of that. Um, but yeah, I think the main point there is that it's not just literal. It's not just that all of the other boys and girls are dead. Right. But um, that they were chess pieces, that they were two-dimensional, that mm-hmm. they didn't fucking matter. And when you go back and look at the whole thing as a like an entire story, um, the arc of the final girl is what should be the most important. Right. And I do think that Midsommar is doing that it, as well. So is it just a dumb way of saying protagonist? Is it just the main character of the movie? <laughs> it's it's the horror version of that. But it, it is what I think he's changing here is I, I can't think of another example where the final girl, like it's almost like the horror version it's of complicit. the hero's journey. Yeah, she becomes one of the bad guys. She like can't beat him, join him instead of in uh, any other horror movie, she would figure out a way to kill everybody in the cult. Uh-huh. And we'd get a and great hurt Florence Pugh running around with shotguns and saws and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out that if, like, if this is redefining Final Girl, you know, giving us one that we haven't seen, or sort of like him laughing at us or sort of saying, like, uh, I like look how complicated this is now, you know, when the Final Girl takes this role instead of the typical role, which is supposed to be just, like, limping down the street half naked yeah. after victory like that's typically what they do and yeah and like but and you're rooting for them as they kill the bad guy and i do not root for florence Pugh at the end of this movie it's i think like everything is like this is more a more realistic horror or whatever and the, here's how people act i think he's saying look if you're surrounded by 100 people and you're drugged out of your mind you probably would just do what they say instead of running away but especially if you're as lost and isolated as she's been that's not what happened to this movie though right it's not that she it's not like it's not simply a stockholm syndrome thing right like she we are we do are supposed to think that like she has sort of accepted their way of life right i don't well, the, i think the thing that separates florence P- danny from a lot of the other characters is uh most people who come into this cult are like uh, just look at the way that we do things until you forget about the way that other people do things right uh-huh. uh for Danny, there's something very specific that happens. And this is, I think this is the last part of the movie that's sort of on the rails, off the rails for me, uh, which is Danny has this particular way of freaking out. And she sobs in the exact same way uh, when her parents and sister die that she does when she finds out that Christian is having sex in a barn. Uh-huh. It, the first time she sobs when the parents die, which to me is a much worse thing to happen in your life. Um, is uh, like she all she has is Christian and he's barely there. Mm-hmm. When it happens again, she has nineteen of the closest people she's ever been around sobbing with her uh-huh. in the exact same way, in and unison. that's where she feels. 
Right, in Ugh. unison, and that's like the closeness that she thought that she wanted. So it's not just, I'm part of the cult because of time spent. I'm part of the cult because I'm, uh, I became more accepting. I'm part of the cult because I have finally been given what Christian never gave yeah. me. Yeah. But she's the one. That's why I don't root for her, because she's the other people who weren't as bad as Christian also got got. Like, yeah. It, it, it's still like a weird, selfish move, and why I'm not like, oh, it's not, not Stockholm Syndrome, is she is drugged out of her gourd. Yeah. So nothing is actual consent. And even at post that, that like unison cry, which is terrifying, uh, when she's flower monster uh-huh. and she like does that weeping, like lumbering step uh-huh. cry and then like composes herself afterwards. But like, I think that is her still fighting with it. Cause it's not just like the crying hat. Like it, it's, it's complicated. The drugs fuck it all up for me. If she was sober, I'd be like, okay, she you, made these decisions, but I'm still like, you might wake up tomorrow and be like, Oh no. You know what? Ultimately, like, I like think- most drug trips. <laughs> I think ultimately also the movie denies us something and it's a it's a stylistic choice but I don't know if it really helps with this discussion which is we don't see her make her choice. We don't even mm-hmm. see her really like struggle with making the choice. We don't know the way in which she makes the choice. So that denies us a lot of information about where her head really is at the end of the movie because I mean I think I think the thing that we get and this makes it more complicated but I think I land on bad because i wish that more stuff was left in the air you know is her uh impossible to mistake smile at the end as christian's burning yeah you know that that sort of says like in in my right mind i've been drugged i've been manipulated i've been cultified but in my right mind haha look what i did yeah and he's a bad guy but i don't know if he deserves to be sewn up in a bear and burnt alive while he can't move but can definitely feel everything that's happening to him like it's for a movie to interrogate how men can be assholes the very creepy swede who gaslights and lies to get them all there and get died the movie ends on his side by him not getting got in any way shape or form uh-huh. just, yeah just be a little nice to somebody <laughs> just drug them until they love you maybe i think yeah. i think we're th- this unsettled feeling though is how we're supposed to leave the movie mm-hmm. you know like i i think he ultimately the cult is presented as a little mini society and they have some good aspects and some really terrible aspects and if you try to form an opinion of them that's like holistic you just keep remembering things that don't quite work you know Mm -hmm. um they do offer something they're like they offer the thing cults always offer which is like belonging and a singular mindset that's easy to like cue to and then you feel like you've got some control of, of the world but it's also a terribly destructive cult because, yeah, lack of choice is often very pleasing. It sounds like what we don't want, but it's actually what we do. Oh, yeah, so once you get into that world, there's that lack of choice. And then, Mike, you had said, I think, Mike, it was you who said the one. She's the one. Mm-hmm. You, but this is not in a Jesus Christ, Neo from the Matrix sort of way. This is a, the other reason why the first 15 minutes are so important is because it's not that Danny would make the best queen, but she's so low, she's so traumatized, and then therefore susceptible to whatever right. they bring, that that's why she's chosen. You know, she's the most manipulatable and in need of comfort, not because she's going to make a great May Queen. Right, because I think the the other gal who's there, Carrie, the British chick, uh, is the one who instantly is like, this is all bananas, let's get out of here, and she gets got. Yeah, uh, right. Those... She was not low at all. She had a healthy, stable background and was just like, nope, we're leaving. Those two are interesting because they... I think they stand in for the incredulous audience the best. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, even they are defeated. And that's what's so tough about cults because it, you've like, even she finally consents to just get in a car 
and go right. with it. even though she knows no this does not this is not right all of this is wrong and i'm not safe they still finally manage to drag her down to like just get in the car dude right but that's the thing about baby steps is that you're like i cannot believe that most recent baby step had happened but i will still get in this car because i bet it's the last baby step right and there will be nothing more crazy than this and i I think if the the unsettled feeling we're supposed to feel at the end i based on how smart this guy is i I think it it is a postmodern horror movie because the triumphant feeling watching every fight final girl limp down the freeway after murdering a bunch of people you're like yeah but she still lost all her friends and her family. She still murdered people, even if it was justified in self-defense. That's going to fuck you up. And this movie leaves you with the emotional parts of that. It's yeah. like, you're going to be fucked up no matter if you quote-unquote win or not. <laughs> we are moving on to a speed round. Here we go. So are we just going to ignore that bear or what? I mean, the greatest Chekhov's bear of all time. Uh-huh. Like, I, I think that it's a really good call by the person who, uh, I think it's the... Is it Simon? Simon, yeah. Who's just like we're no, the bear? Nobody's gonna say anything about the bear. It's just like I, I know that we've seen twenty five crazy things in the last ten minutes, but bear guys, come on! And then the guy, look at the cult guy, just looks at it and he goes, "It's a bear." No, yeah. that's not that's not a good explanation. You can't. That's not an answer. Like, <laughs> and I think that's one of the first things of like, yeah, it's our culture. You know, like yeah, don't worry about it. We, which is not. It's not like you're being offensive to my culture, but instead, let's not ask questions yeah. you don't want the answer to. I'm not, not going to say anything. Uh, which character did you relate to the hardest? Honestly, Will Poulter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a definite uh, Ryan vibe from him. And it's not just because he's the fucking asshole with the out-of-control eyebrows, uh, <laughs> but it's mostly when he's high. His scene when they get high, <laughs> and he's like, guys, lay down, because it's really down? awesome. And then he gets up, and he's like, why the fuck aren't you laying down? <laughs> That is me when I'm high for sure. And plus pissing on like holy sites. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, but I will still somehow, my my wiener has a radar to find the most holy site to pee on. Mike, who do you relate to the hardest? Probably Simon, who's like forgettable and just wants to talk about a bear, which is my favorite <laughs> out. But like uh, I cared this more. I'd say I guess Cheaty is like, I'm so into my thing, I can't even realize that you guys are going through things right now. Yeah. I Honestly, I think I'm uh, the Cheaty character as well. Just like using intellectualizing things to not deal with the fact that everything around you is falling apart and you're in great uh-huh. danger. But no, I'm not in great danger. I'm studying this culture. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, dude. That'll totally save you. Um, who is the worst? Who's the worst in the movie? It's hard for it to not be cra- – if we're not going to say murderers, right? So it's hard for – like Christian you, really I, is just – I see. I could see sp- there being an argument that murderers are the worst. <laughs> oh, goody two shoes, Greg. I think the nice Swede is under the radar fucking monstrous. Who's part of their group? Oh, Pele or whatever? Pele, yeah, yeah. To, to to get to know these people, probably like at least a couple years if they're writing their thesis in their PhD program. He's known each other maybe four or five years. And to get them all like to murder them. Uh-huh. Like, so it wasn't, I just met these guys. It's not a hostile situation. We've all like ran into a drunk American in Sweden and then killed them. <laughs> this is a years long plan. Yeah. Uh, it's fucked up. Uh, I'm going to go with, and I know she's young and dumb and wants to be full of cum, but I'm going to go with, uh, is it Pele's little sister, uh, who has this amazing utility belt of gross shit to just drop whenever she <laughs> uh-huh. wants. Like she's got a, she's got a pouch of pubes. She's got like a vial of, uh, menstrual fluid uh-huh. when that needs to go into a drink. Uh, very resourceful, but, uh, not, not a nice person. <laughs> and she kicks people when she dances and I'm not a fan of that. I know it is the most basic answer you could possibly give, but it really is Christian. Like, yeah. and I can't believe the chutzpah 
of uh, the maker of this movie to be like, we're going to name this guy Christian. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. That, that's dude, a big one. <laughs> you really went for it, man. You definitely named that dude Christian. He's a white male that you named Christian. Uh, Mike, did you recognize the actor? Uh, I... What is he from? Because I would say an answer that I would only say off air. So weird. Yeah, dude. That's <laughs> underground porn. <laughs> he looks exactly like somebody I know in real life. Oh, okay. uh, I see. And and their personalities are kind of shittily the same. So I'm not going to say it here. So who was he from? He's the long-haired older brother of Sing Street. Oh shit! Rock and who roll comes- is a risk. <laughs> yeah. Who comes <laughs> in at the end? Does a cartwheel and like fights a bunch of people? <laughs> is that a quote for like rock and roll is a risk? That's the older brother in Sing Street. Dude, I love lecturing that. Lecturing his younger brother. You're getting, a, you're getting a point for that because that is, that's like a very American saying. Rock and roll is But so risk. true. Yeah, so, dude. so true. Um, in what ways is Midsommar interested in commenting on the world of today? Or do you think we'll be under, able to understand that commentary in the future? I, I think the it's as we all zoom in and are not around hey. each other, it's hard to ignore isolation. And even before this, like now it does feel communal. But I, when this was made and came out, we were in the most isolated time humans have ever lived in. Yeah, I think, and I, I like, I do think, and I know that I throw this on top of movies and TV shows a lot, but I do think it's very much a commentary on. Uh, I don't know if Trump is in this movie, uh, or like there's an analog, but there's definitely Trump's acolytes who, um, you know, are hoping that we just don't notice the baby steps. And for a lot of the, the characters in the movie, they don't. They're okay with it. Mm-hmm. That, like, it keeps getting worse, but it's totally fine. And I think this fucking culminates. In the, the thing that is going to absolutely back up my point and make me win is that there's a guy who's just always off to the side wearing a red hat, which nobody else wears, and then has, like, these veils. Like, he's a troll on the uh-huh. internet. He just gets to do and say whatever he wants. <laughs> but that's a fucking MAGA hat. That, that, was, that was as obvious as naming the guy Christian was. <laughs> I, I like that. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, um, Ari Aster called Midsummer the Wizard of Oz for perverts. Is this Aster understanding everything great about his movie or understanding everything wrong with the movie? Perverts. That's a, I think that's a very interesting word to use. Like, perverts? Really? That? Not like psychopaths? or. I guess that I would go with the word pervert. I would go to um, the head bashing scene and how often we return to the head bashing. And sort of like, what is your feeling on it? Do you think that it's uh, gross and unnecessary? Do you think it's part of the story that he's trying to do? Or do you think it's awesome and you cheer for uh-huh. it? And I think your reaction tells you a lot about what you think about the movie. There's there's that, and then there is the pube eating. Like their sexual uh, traditions are not are not what we would call normal. Uh, oh I shit! Christian's face it really relied like the perverts where he's like he's like okay I guess I'll I'll fuck this girl and they're all singing and the one girl sits down and holds her hand and like starts singing an inch from his face and he like he almost <laughs> rushes out. Then it's like that's I think the normal person's response is to bail out. One of the, one of the most telling parts about the movie is that uh, Christian and Chidi are interviewing one of the you know elders, and they're like so like what, like incest, and they're like oh, I mean no we we don't yeah you know we like we adhere to the taboos and we make sure that we don't do that, and then like two scenes later, Chidi's talking to somebody in like the church, and the guy's like oh incest, it, we do this because of incest all yeah. day every this, day. That's how we accomplish it. Did you feel like this stuff with the kid who is like the incest baby? He's like the humper diddu of of this universe. Did you guys feel like that went anywhere or was that just supposed to be like a random creepy thing? 
Well, Greg, the, the person that you're explaining is a low IQ'd, big lipped, blonde haired, crazy person that makes everyone do and say what they do. <laughs> My God, Trump is in this movie, ladies and gentlemen. I was wrong. But so the the it's they say all their oracles are are the product of inbreeding. They go to their way because they think they're touched. Uh, but it also feels like a little, like. I think Aster, the way the camera lingers on this kid's face, it, it, I don't know if it's exploitive, but it definitely at times Ari Aster's like, right? Creeping you out. Put the camera <laughs> on this kid's face, right? And I'm like, hmm. Wait, that... I don't know, man. That kid doesn't really look like that, does he? That's like makeup. I don't think so. You don't think... I think I they know. use makeup to make him look less inbred. <laughs> but like, yeah, like I think that the only argument that we can have here is that it, it's 100% a Trump analog. Otherwise, it would have been cut from the movie. Man, that's messed up. I I don't know why I assumed that kid was just like all under makeup, but yeah, that's kind of like no, he definitely is. Okay. I, I do think he. I was making a okay. joke. <laughs> Good, because otherwise I don't like this movie. Uh, but I feel like that was just kind of like thrown in there. But I I see what you're saying about the Trump thing. I do like how um in his version of the Bible he's just like smearing paint on pages, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, this is great, dude. We're gonna follow. We figure it out. He's not. Yeah, I don't know if it's Trump specifically, but I think it's it's any any leader that you say this is magic and then you don't want to ever pull off the gas and think about it for a second that you're this kid is bad at finger painting and you're still letting him dictate everything <laughs> i mean that's I can, just religion in general i could see it being trump but uh also if astor didn't want to admit that i could see that he has read preacher as a kid yeah right <laughs> it's, he, he threw humperdoo in there it's so preacher the reason i ask about this kid in part is because it this is the part of the movie that reminded me a little bit of us in that it feels like anytime there was going to be an explanation, the movie was like, eh, maybe it's this, uh, maybe it's that. I don't know. And it felt like rather than either not have an explanation or give one, it kind of did this weird in between ground. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, it made some and us like, do have that in common where it's confusing, especially on rewatches of are, are you trying to say something big, but like allude to it? Or are you just trying to make us like have things to talk about? Yeah. Or are you as confused as we are, filmmaker? But I think with us, like you kind of, they're clones or whatever they are, or it's supernatural. There needs to be next one. This, it's just the how people can deceive themselves and each other into believing in a thing. This, this feels less eyebrow raised. Like you don't know what you're talking about to me. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about though, Mike. And what we're talking about is. It's award season when we come back handing out awards for this movie. And we're back, guys. We got so excited about giving out awards that we can't just do it at the end of the season. We have to do it every single week. And so we're going to pick... How many awards do we have? How many are we supposed to do here? Six. Six awards. All right. Remind me what they are, Ryan. Uh, first one is performance. Okay, so who has the the overall best performance? Do we even need to talk about this? Like, are we even going to do this thing? Uh, the way that the award is worded is pound for pound performance. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be the lead or even the supporting. Like, if somebody owned the six minutes of the movie that they were in. But we have one official actress of yeah. Pop Filter, you know, and I don't think it's just that. It's not our deep, deep bias for this lovely, lovely woman. It's also the movie relied so hard on creating a three-dimensional performance or character out of someone who can only, as far as we know, give three-dimensional mm-hmm. performances. I'm, dude, and, and it's highlighted because, like, nobody else was even two dimensions. Everybody else is like, here's your stock archetype. We don't need to dig into their motivations in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. Maybe the Swede who, who brought them there, but, like, she stands for so long because that's what the, the movie only cared about her. I think the cult has way more emotional depth than besides Danny. 
than their victims do. I think you get a lot, you learn a lot more about who the cult is and what their individual personalities are than you learn about any of these knuckleheads. So definitely Florence Pugh there. Yes, yes. I think that's what we're all saying. Congratulations. Congratulations to you, the future Mrs. Graff. Or Braff? Braff. Braff. God, what an ugly Love name. It. Not beautiful like Pugh. Pugh. <laughs> all right, Ryan, what is the next category for awards? Uh, Next one is a uh, cringiest moment of the movie. All right, right or Mike, what is your cringiest moment of the movie? Uh, Christian, after he's been told that it is her birthday and he forgot it, trying to light <laughs> the candle while singing "Happy Birthday" be- because there's so many cringes. trying to gaslight the candle. <laughs> there's so many cr- like it was such a real thing. Every step of that felt very real in the middle of. By the time the movie's already crazy, and it it was hard to fucking watch. Watching him like trying to do that lighter. <laughs> All right, Ryan, I- what do you think it should be? I think the cringiest part, and the weird thing about this is that it was a lot of Hereditary's third act, too. But I think it's now clear after two movies that this guy finds uh, naked old people to be to like add to the horror. Yeah. Like, when I need to make things more disturbing, he will fill his third act with not, like, uh, like dismaimed bodies no. or lots of gore and stuff, but just this is how older people or not celebrities look like and he's like that'll scare him okay and it's it's horrifying and after hereditary he got a lot of shit about it but now after two movies i feel like this is just his thing like this this is what he's into tarantino's feet honestly dude and those are a lot of those older people dude they're keeping it fucking tight like they got it going on yeah there were like a lot of attractive older bodies there like we should all be so lucky i couldn't tell if he was supposed to be horrifying me with that or not or if it was just supposed to be like Maybe as a is it at all possible that as a like reaction to what to how people treated hereditary that he like sh- tried to show these bodies as beautiful because is that a hor- are they horrifying in that scene? I don't know. I mean, I think at the very least he is playing on the fact that he's saying that I don't think they're horrifying, but I know they're like half of the audience in theaters will be like ew, <laughs> and that'll mean like I got them, and that's that's yeah, that's not good. Uh, for me, definitely the cringiest moment of the movie is when Christian basically tries to steal the other guy's thesis like he has been saying the entire movie hey this is what i'm gonna do my thesis on and now he's just like me too <laughs> that's what i'm <laughs> gonna do as well because i'm just gonna take this over from you and then he gets so mad that the guy won't share uh-huh and the guy's like no this is my passion like we've known each other for years what the fuck do you care about but i have to give it to mike it has to be that lighter <laughs> Christian tried to do that, like, one small slice of, like, bunt cake with no frosting on it, one candle that he got got from who knows where, and then just, like, trying to light that lighter and not being able to. Yeah, typically any time a lighter doesn't light, uh, that that should have been edited out, Yeah, you know? But with Christian, it's important. And then also, if you watch Danny that whole time, her trying to smile Mm -hmm. just to keep Christian, like fine but like actually paying attention to the people in the cult next to her uh-huh. you know she's doing she's doing eight things at all right. times when everybody else is <laughs> trying to do two <laughs> all right uh what is the next category ryan this is a director moment this is when like the director was the most them okay what do you have for it uh there's a couple of things that uh Astor does that like he clearly loves but i think the biggest thing in uh midsomar is trying to see that if he can excuse me, if he can get the camera to move from one room to the next, mm-hmm. go through walls, but have it not be like, oh, I wonder how he did that as a filmmaker, but instead just be like this like ominous, disorienting feeling. Yeah, like It's creepy. very normal from person... Yeah, 
it's very normal for somebody to go from one room to another. But the way that he does it in this movie is like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this a Disneyland ride? Do I have more powers than I think I should? <laughs> I think he really likes that. Mike, what about yeah. you? Danny getting up to, I think the ex- example of this is Danny getting up in the dorm room or their apart, the guy's apartment getting to cry. And then she opens an airplane door bathroom and cries so she's yeah. just been crying for weeks a week straight in every bathroom she can find but that it's 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 that is his move he likes transitions that's i think the most effective in the movie but i would say my favorite is when christian is in like the uh the like the healer's hut and he's going from room to room and the camera follows him without any caring for walls mm-hmm. and then he sits down and talks to the lady and he's like i think this one girl put like a pube in my pie and she was like oh yeah most definitely <laughs> I got to say, man, that definitely happened. Uh, For me, maybe a basic answer again, but obviously this guy has something against heads. Like, he doesn't doesn't like them. And uh, just, like, the bashed-in skull, uh, I feel like that is, like, very signature head trauma for him. Uh, And for the award, I'm going to give it to Mike's Bathroom Nonsense. Congratulations, Mike. That phrase is said a lot around my household. <laughs> Wait, where she walks from one room into another and the camera uh, doesn't break? It's very similar. Yeah, but it's, speci- it's very similar. You gave it general. I specified. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> but I, it, uh, it said so much and it was so disorienting, that moment where you're not sure where she is. And there's a moment where you realize like you can hear the rushing of the air on the airplane and you're like, oh, you're in danger. And then he's like, oh, no, you're just in a plane. Like, well. No, you're also in danger. danger. <laughs> if if I could bring up one more, like one other winner candidate, it's um, and this is this again is super common, but um, when they are driving into the town and the camera just sort of flips over, yeah, and refuses to flip back over, <laughs> and that this this goes back to the patience thing is that like we're supposed to be like, oh, that's cool that you did that for three seconds, but we're upside down for like a fucking minute. That's you know, vomiting. and it's nauseating. That's a good one. The other one that's like that and takes place right before that is uh, they're talking on the plane. Uh, right after she does the bathroom crying thing and then the camera just like kind of like goes out of the window and you think Mm. okay this is gonna stop in a second but it takes like seven seconds and you're just like stop what are you doing i don't like this (laughs) like we're flying he so often reminds you that he has total control of what you're seeing Mm. and that is a terrible feeling because you realize that sometimes he's going to want to show you really really awful things and he keeps reminding you like i decide when you stop looking at stuff and every time you feel his hand on you and it's awful yeah, if Rob Reiner has total control of us during When Harry Met Sally, that's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, We're totally. going to deal with that. This is different. All right. Our next award is Best Scare, uh, and I'm going to give mine first. This movie is not a movie with a ton of, like, jump scares in it, as we've talked about, but um, it's a movie that is full of dread, and the where I felt the most intense dread until very recently in my own life was uh, knowing that Danny's sister killed herself and killed her parents as well. But the very slow shot that starts in the garage with the two cars running and then follows the tube all the way up. um, I just, honestly, that was the most deeply emotional moment for me. And I just was really like, I don't want, I don't want to see what's on the other end of this. And yet like, I dare not look away. (laughs) Especially because we weren't watching, waiting to find out what happened. We knew what happened, and so that makes him make it even yeah. longer until we can actually finally see what happened. Yeah, because it, like, primes us. How about, Mike, what is your uh, candidate for scariest moment? 
I, I think that the most unsettling moment for me that I keep going back to is the women crying in unison uh-huh. with Danny. Uh, she's doing it and they go, cause it should be like comforting. Like if that's the move, that's what you expect. Uh, but them doing it with her doesn't make me feel better. No. Like <laughs> it, it, it feels then so rehearsed and performative to suck her in even further into the cult. And it's just a weird image and sound. It's a terrible animation. sound. I do think that there's like if we were gonna do football highlights like play by play freeze frame and stuff, there's a moment where Danny realizes what's going on and raises one eyebrow. Yeah, she's like, "What the fuck?" And then two <laughs> eyebrows, and she's like, "All right," and then just goes <laughs> digs right into out. it. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what is your scariest moment? Yeah, with a lot of the stuff telegraphed, you know, we knew those old people were gonna jump off the building. We knew the sister was gonna kill the parents. Um, the one that actually left me disoriented even though it's kind of a hacky move is danny's dream of the boys just getting in the car and driving away yes and about halfway through it you start to realize okay for sure it's a dream but before the dream happens you're so convinced that these three guys are such pieces of shit that they might actually do this Uh and then leave danny there yeah and then like that's sort of how our worst fears slash dreams work is like it's not like oh my god there's a clown with a knife it's i'm abandoned I have, you know, no money, no phone, no nothing. And, like, everybody I trusted is now gone. I do not know what my next step is. Yeah. And so for, I would say, about 50% of this one-minute dream, I was like, oh, my God, fuck (laughs) this. And uh, Simon has that weird, like, almost Stephen King-style, like, it's not clear if he's grinning or screaming or both. He like, (laughs) he's like got this really like Joker style, like grin on his face. And it's just horrible in like every direction. That guy's face is so awful anyway. And then (laughs) so much stuff (laughs) happens to it in the movie. Which let me, uh, everybody in the audience, let me give you this advice for getting ahead in life. Next time you're very happy or you're about to laugh really hard, make it so people don't know if you are enjoying yourself or terrified or trying to terrify them. And just see what happens. Just see how it goes. (laughs) I am going to give that one to Ryan because that moment did like, did resonate deeply for me. And I actually, I did something that this movie invites you to do and you are afraid to do it, which is go back and rewatch scenes and look like at what else is going on. There's this terrible compulsion revulsion about this movie where you want to look away, but you also want to look like way, way closer. (laughs) And that was definitely one of those scenes. Let's pick a topic that we, we talk about a lot uh, for this next one. This award is our favorite cultist. So, (laughs) I think we should restrict this to the movie, though. Who's our favorite cultist from this movie, Ryan? I have to go with uh, Maga Hat Vale. <laughs> uh, he's just—he's always around, but you lead him the, need him the least. Um, I think that like he's got this unspoken amount of power. He's not in charge, but he's not a plebe. Um, and there's just no reason I can think of to like give him a red hat other than <laughs> Aster made this movie in 2019. <laughs> All right, Mike. How about you? Uh, the girl dancing next to Danny in the May Queen, like dance off, uh-huh. uh, is just so unabashedly like innocent and into dancing and into dancing, winning. There's no competitiveness. It's just like so joyful that I'm like, you make me feel comfortable in a way nobody else in this movie yeah, has. Totally. <laughs> also, ten times better than Duolingo. Like teaches Danny Swedish in four seconds. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you are speaking Swedish. Oh, <laughs> and she's just like awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> For me, it's got to be Father Odd. Um, the reason we even have this award is because all the cultists are so different. They don't have that like um, 
monoculture thing. They like all have their own reactions to everything. And Father Odd is honestly like, first of all, the coolest name ever. Like basically even more ostentatious a name than Christian. Um, and the whole time he's just really trying to like lead his flock. He is constantly teaching people about what they're doing. He's like at the end, he's instructing those kids about how they're supposed to like eviscerate the bear to pack their human victim into it. And he really is like all these different people stand for some different aspect of culture. And his is really, he like forwards it. He keeps pushing this culture forward by teaching people and doing it in a loving way, even though he's teaching them to be, murderers um did we all do our favorite cultists (laughs) what were your what was yours mike the the dancing girl with danny at the end who teaches her swedish and ryan yours is the maga hat guy i'm gonna go with dancing swedish girl because uh if i I don't if i could pick a close runner up um the guy who gets very upset at will poulter peeing on a tree yeah and then it goes to dinner and well we just see will poulter and he's like i think that guy's angry at me (laughs) and then it cuts to him not slightly looking at him but like in a chair on the edge of his seat just staring and glaring aggressively drinking his drink (laughs) that was another part of like the the cult not being all the same that i really liked that guy was hyper violent and Mm -hmm. and very upset and he didn't really worry about like keeping a good appearance on the cult. He got angry and he was like, I'm going to k- fucking kill this guy. We should skin him. And then that's exactly what they do. And then he wears that guy's face as a mask because some of these people are just doing what they think they need to do to get by. This guy is Michael Myers. And so, yeah, so he loves it. <laughs> but imagine being the elder and that guy runs up and he's like, I'm going to skin that guy. And the elder's like, well, we can't just skin him because he's bad, but we do skin all the ones even if they're good. So you know what? Fuck it. Just do <laughs> it, dude. What feels right. Skin away, my friend. Skin away. Uh, next award is bad relationship sign. And I'm going to choose lack of eye contact. Every single like one of yeah. the group of main characters in this at some point cries out with their eyes, including and finally Christian at the end where he is trying so hard to get Danny's attention. And that feeling of watching a character looking so hard at another and being like, not screaming, not making any sound, but their eyes being absolutely like, please look at me, please look at me, please look at me. The horror of that and what a bad sign it is and the fact that we all do this when we get upset with people. We kind of mini shun them. We don't look at them for a little bit. Um, Just like it was very powerful in this movie. All right, how about you, Ryan? What do you think is the award-winning bad relationship sign? In a movie that is full of them. Yeah. the one that uh, stood out to me the most, which probably means the one that hit closest to home, is um, I think it's Christian who's like, yeah, Simon left in a truck without his girlfriend. It's totally fine. Uh, and then Danny's like, yeah, it sounds like something you would do. Yeah. And he's uh-huh. like, what? And she's like, nothing. And, she, okay, so she said nothing, but it's not stricken from the record. She yeah. straight up said that shit, and he straight up heard it. And, man, that relationship is doomed. Yeah. But the way all he says is what? Uh, and lets the nothing like erase it is clear that he's like yeah (laughs) yeah i know exactly (laughs) one of the reasons that we side with danny is because she wasn't lashing out she probably didn't know she was going to say that but she's not wrong he totally would yeah Yeah. she's like oh no part of him though must be thinking in that moment like i had a chance to run and i didn't because your stupid family died (laughs) i wish i had hopped in a car and driven away i wouldn't be in this pickle right now yeah, maybe the what was like, what? I could have? Shit. <laughs> Mike, what do, you, what do you think is the award-winning bad relationship sign? It's hit a, uh, not a few days before this two-month trip to Sweden is when she's finding out about it. Him yeah. keeping that from her and acting like it's no big deal uh-huh. uh, is such a clear, you're like, oh, this guy's going to die and I'm not going to feel bad about <laughs> it. 
Oh, and like, I mean, one of the worst things that Christian does, or like maybe one of the ways that Danny is weakest, is he it gets her like she she tries to be cool girlfriend at all times, right? She's like, "What? Oh, that's cool. Like, it's cool that you're doing that in two weeks. Uh-huh. I guess you just decided tonight." And they get back to the apartment. And he works the conversation in such a way where she's saying, you know what? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for chasing you out of the apartment. Oh, I'm apologizing to you. Please stay here. Oh, God. That's so dark. The scene where she's talking to him on the phone and she's like weeping, but she keeps making her voice just sound normal. That was some of the best acting Florence Pugh, the best actress of our time, has ever done. That is like so perfect. But it- And she says, do you want to hang out tonight? And he's like... Not like, oh, I can read between the lines and see that you're upset. He says, did we have plans? Which yeah. is saying, like, am I already on the hook? Because oh. I guess I have to if I'm already on the hook. And it just has to be said at least one time. If your girlfriend is Florence Pugh, <laughs> like, do you really, do? do you have to be such a downer about everything? Well, I'm going to win with best bad relationship sign, <laughs> lack of eye contact. And guys, we are into the end of the show and I have tabulated the scores, and you're never going to believe it, but it's 23 to 23. What the fuck? 23 is Kadoo. 23 and me? Absolutely a tie. And so we are going to go to Greg Trivia Lightning Round. One question to end it all. And the answer is this. Or the question, no, I can't tell you the answer. Oh, my God. This isn't Jeopardy. Is it? Is Jeopardy, Jeopardy? We're going to get sued. Jeopardy, Jeopardy. We're going to get sued. The question is this. How many nights of sleep did Midsummer interrupt for your boy, Greg? Ryan. Ryan. Six. Ryan is saying six nights of interrupted sleep. Mike? Mike. What answer would you like to give? Four. Four. Well, it was just two, so Mike, you've done it. You've rested the crown. You are my best friend. You are my quarantine buddy. Ryan, I'm sorry you did not get a chance to be best friend this week. Mike, there's not a lot I can do for you because we're not allowed to go near each other. But just Do I send you gift baskets or is that even too much? Ryan, I guess, could tell you the kind of stuff he's been doing. It's been amazing, though. So So, uh, every morning, Greg likes a uh, basket of muffins delivered to his uh, doorstep. But you have to open the door and put it in his house. You're not allowed (laughs) to do that anymore. In quarantine times? So throw the muffins at his window as hard as you can. I don't really want to hear about what kind of times it is. I want to get my muffins, you know? Okay. Um, so obviously Mike, you are the best friend, but how about Midsummer? How far do we think Midsummer is going to go? I think, I think it, it's a good mid, it'll, it'll last a while. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's very good, but I, I think we've already watched some movies that, that are, we're way more up on. We, we were a little more down on Aster than I expected. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? I, and, I would like to hope that we did our due diligence in proving that we are not like a uh, genre adverse. Yeah. That just because you're not a drama that like uh, that means that we hate you. Hopefully everybody understood how much we like Midsommar. Midsommar. And it is fucked. I think it's fucked. <laughs> I think there's uh, in this in, in like the best year of the decade, 2019, um, we have one movie that we were forced to watch thanks to the bracket and letterbox that will do worse because it is bad. Midsommar is not bad. I think it's awesome, but I think it's fucked. Yeah, I, I would say I agree with that. It's a fun movie. I'm really glad to have seen it, even though I didn't want to, and I will never again. Um, it made me think a lot of things, made me feel a lot of things, but it's 
going up against stiff competition and it's not a genre thing it's just it's a weaker movie than a lot of these other movies in the bracket well we are out of time and beyond so let's do some of our commercials but let's do them quick mike where can they find us on the world wide web you can find us at yourpopfilter.com everything we do lives there all right very good what else can they do when they're on the web if they want to ryan you can go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. You may need things delivered to your house at this point in For your instance. life. Uh, if you do, uh, please go to that website. There will be a little bookmark. Make that your new Amazon bookmark, and you can buy everything you need for this quarantine and then also help out the show. Also, make sure, I think we mentioned this a little while ago, but go to patreon.com slash yourpotfilter. If you don't want Amazon to bring you things, you just want to spend money, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash YourPopFilter. What, what a good way to do it. Uh, if you want to email us, it's contact at YourPopFilter.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at YourPopFilter. Twitter is at YourPopFilter. I, myself, am at Pensive Gorilla. Mike, what are you on Twitter? At Microphone Yo. And feel free to follow us. We're not the kind of people who are like, you're not allowed to follow us. You can follow us. Definitely. Feel free to do that. Uh, you guys are the type of people, though, that when they follow you, you will just start Twitter wars with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that What the fuck are they doing following Is that weird? Why would you follow me? Like, imagine you're walking down the street and someone just starts following you and you don't know them. That would be weird. You have to war yeah, them. You would have to war, war them instantly. Our other podcasts are OCD, where you two guys, I'm not telling you, but I'm going to pretend I'm telling you so I can tell the audience. You two guys talk about all the episodes of the OC and generally, I think, just like kind of roughhouse. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Superhero Show Show, which is a show about superhero shows. Am I missing any? Clear, concise. No, I think that's all. We all got. right, that's all we got. Sorry, guys. That's all. That's we'll make more podcasts in the future, probably. That's true. There are stuff we're cooking. <laughs> we do have Greg's Quarantine Minute, but I think that's just for Greg's friends and maybe Patreon listeners. Is that true? Oh yeah. Oh, Patreon can get a. a it's a fucking perfect slice of quarantine life <laughs> and brings in the Twitter. There, there's a Margot away is my favorite new podcast. And if you're a Patreon, $1 subscriber, you can definitely check the Margot away podcast. My erstwhile rival now my good friend. But in that time when she was my rival, I did make a podcast about how she should go away and Taylor and I should spend more time together. I think that's normal. Can we, can we do a thing where like every Patreon tier typically is like, if you go up, you get everything from all the other tiers. Plus this one. Can we do, you get Margo away for $1, but if you're $5 or more, you don't get Margo away? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just gone, and you don't even have to listen to it? It's just for that. Have to. One tier. Well, guys, good show to both of you from your quarantine bunkers. I think it went pretty well. Midsummer. I'm glad we talked about you, but probably you don't stand much of a chance. So next week's movie will be picked by our winner tonight, Mike. Mike, what movie are we going to do next week? I think in these times of high anxiety, we need something. Some people would say calm. I say no, double down. I want to be tense the whole time. Uncut Gems, baby. Oh, Uncut Gems. Awesome. I don't want to watch Uncut Gems, but I thought you were going to say Joker. Thank you for not saying Joker. Oh, no. I'm trying to Joker when we're healthy. Nobody wants to deal with it. At some point, someone's going to have to say, I want to watch Joker. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we come back next week, we will be talking about Uncut Gems. But until then, keep watching them movies.